Well, we've been on this journey in Philippians, and uh, I am loving it. I am loving it. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, if you're not reading through the book of Philippians at least once a week, would you start doing that? We're, we're down to the last chapter. We've got a couple more messages coming from it. But what it does is it adds layer upon layer. It, 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 it's, 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 you're washing yourself in the water of the word. You're allowing it to go deep. And, and when we're doing something like this, it's so helpful to immerse yourself in it. So then when you're coming again and we're worshiping the Lord together corporately and then we're hearing that word, then it's resonating with things that Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you. And by the way, it's also also a beautiful way to be encouraged about how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through scriptures because many times you'll come in and you'll hear us preaching and teaching on something that you, that was revelatory for you through the week that Holy Spirit dropped into you and, you and then you hear it confirmed and you're like, that was totally the Lord. So there's a confirmational side of this. So I just want to encourage you to embrace that. Embrace reading through the scriptures that we're covering one with another. And we're going to continue to, to, uh, you know, to give you these themes and give you a heads up. But uh, when we do a book study like this, it certainly adds a, a depth to it. How many of you guys have been reading through Philippians as we've gone through? Come on, Marianne, that's my girl right there. And, uh, and Aaron and several others. So God bless you guys. I'm excited. And for the rest of you, I just encourage you. Um, and I know many of you just don't raise your hands, but you are reading through it, and good job for you too. Also, for us extroverts, it helps if you raise your hand anyway. In fact, let's talk about a few other things since we're on, on that particular thing. Listen, you guys know that the ministry of encouragement is an important ministry, right? You know this. And you know that your beloved pastor, servant that stands before you is an extrovert. And extroverts need encouragement. That's why we make so much noise is because we're just begging. We're just begging you for a little encouragement. And so if something resonates with you today, I just want you to just throw down, you know, a mmm. Or just, oh, that's good, that's good. Or that's Bible, that Josh Davis invented that and I love it. That's Bible. But a little encouragement. Now, Jason, he's an introvert. He doesn't care. He doesn't, you don't have to say anything to Jason. In fact, most of the time he says nothing to me and I think it'd be great if during the weekends you say nothing to him. Just, and I'll let you know which ones we need to be more quiet. But for me, I'll take some encouragement. Amen. All right, there we go. All right, let's dive in here. We're going Philippians. We're going to do chapter 3, verses 12 through 20. And we're going to start by reading the word here. Okay. Paul is speaking. Last week, if you missed the, ser if you missed the sermon, go back and listen to it. It is really good. And Jason spoke to us about scubula. How many of you remember scubula? How many of you stubbed your toe this week and then you were like, I got a new word and used scubula? Not me. Marianne, not me. I didn't do that. But some of these people probably did. Scubula, it means, it means dung. It means dung. And last week we heard that Paul was kicking it off. He was saying, all of the things that I counted as the best of the best, all of my attributes, all of my where I was born and my genealogy, all of my qualifications, all of the things that I used to count as spiritually superior and amazing and the things that I want you to know about me, I now count those as scubula. And he was purposefully being crude. He was picking a big old stinky pile of scubula, 
right? When somebody's dog drops that, that's what he's talking about. I count all of those things like that in comparison to know Christ. And he's saying, so, so I'm setting that aside. Now he continues, and we're continuing with this thought, but you've got to grab that backdrop that he's saying, all the things that I used to brag about, all the stuff that used to be on my name tag, all the things that were on the heading of my official letter, I don't care about that stuff anymore. And then he continues, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So Paul's saying, listen, I'm, now listen, I'm counting all this other stuff as nonsense in comparison to knowing Christ and knowing him in his sufferings and, in, and to be glorified with him. To know Christ, I count all that stuff as, as nothing compared to what I'm getting to do now. But then he says, but not that I've already attained. I haven't arrived, guys. I haven't arrived at the pinnacle now where it's like, hey, everybody, I'm Paul. And I'm better than you. Be like me. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, I haven't arrived. I'm not at a destination. I'm not at a, I haven't achieved enlightenment. I'm not a spiritual superstar now that you should look at my life and then, just, and then just assume that I've stopped. He's going, no, I haven't stopped. I haven't stopped. I haven't attained. I'm continuing on. And he says this, and it's not that I'm already perfected. Guys, I'm not already perfected. I'm still in process. I'm still moving. I'm still moving. And he goes, and he continues on, but I press on. It's interesting. He says, I'm not perfect, but I'm also not stuck. I haven't arrived. I'm continuing on. I'm pressing on. Why? That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He's saying, I trust that Christ has laid hold of me, and I can press towards laying hold of what he has laid hold of me for. I'm not held back by these other things. And I am going to continue now with what Christ has laid hold of me. Now, I'm going to get back to that point, laid hold. I want you to lay hold of that in your head for a minute. I'm going to go to this next scripture. We're going to come back to this. We're going to come back to that idea but I want, to share, I want to share the rest of this thought with you. He says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. So again, he's saying, I don't count as though I'm already there, as though I've already done it, as though now I'm gonna, you're going to come to me and I'm going to give you the seven steps of success. I'm going to give you the three thoughts of a winner. I'm going to show you how to arrive. No, no, no. He says, listen, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is an amazing picture, what Paul's encouraging us with, because he's, he's, he's speaking, I mean, this speaks right to where we are right now, okay? I want you to put on your Philippian hats, okay? You're Philippians. He's speaking to you, Philippians. We live in a very similar situation, and he's speaking to us, and he's saying this. He's saying, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I'm not already there, but... I also am not despondent that I'm not already there. I don't count myself to have already grabbed a hold of it, but I'm also not beating myself up that I'm not perfect, that I haven't got everything dialed in. So he's not stuck. He's pressing forward. And he says this, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I want to share a couple of stories with you guys. There was a man, and he fought in World War II. And after World War II, the, after the war ended, he, he went home. And after, after some time, 
as the years went by, he started to have some numbness in his right hand. And he thought, well, that's, that's interesting. And as he continued, the, the, the numbness turned into almost like a, par- a paralysis of that right hand. And he couldn't work his fingers the way that he once did. And then, as, that, as time went on, then, then, then it continued to grow and it worked up his wrist to where now he couldn't move his wrist. His hand was, was still and eventually to the point where his, his right arm became completely paralyzed. He couldn't use it. His wife encouraged him, and like every man, of course, he was stubborn. It took him a while, but he went, and he began to, 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 to go to the medical profession and go to the doctor and say, look, there's something going on here uh, with, my, with my right arm, and, and I didn't think it was anything, but at this point, I can't even use my arm. It just lays limp at my side. And so the doctor began to run several, several tests, and he, as, as he continued to test this man, as he continued to, 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 to search it out, what they found was that there was no physical reason for his arm not to work. There was nothing genetic, there was nothing uh, physiological, there was nothing in his nervous system. His arm really should work. And there was just nothing they could find that would fix this for him. And so the doctor finally said to him, listen, I think that what's happening here, this must be something psychological. I encourage you to go and meet with a psychiatrist or a therapist. So he went to a therapist and, and he said, listen, I'm, I'm here because, the, because of this situation, which I've just told you. And so the therapist began to work with this man. And as he worked with this man, asking him several questions, and it, you know, he met with him for quite a season, and after, after a certain amount of time, then the therapist stumbled upon a story that this man told, and, and this, this man said, I, I served in World War II, and he said, there came a point where me and, and one of my, my dear friends, we were trapped in a foxhole. All, almost all of the rest of our, of our, of our, uh, of our platoon was killed. And we were trapped in this foxhole. The enemy is continuing to come upon us, and, and we're, we're, we're holding our ground, but we're doing everything we can. We can't retreat because they'll take us. We had called for backup, but they weren't there yet. And so we were trapped in this foxhole. And as we continued to defend, and I fired my rifle and would keep them back, and we would just keep sporadically just shooting just to keep them back to let them know we still have ammo. It's not safe for you to come overrun us. And during that time, my, my, my fellow soldier, my friend, was shot. And, and I, didn't, I didn't know if he was, you know, was it fatal or not. I couldn't, I couldn't stop to, 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 to see how he was doing. He just knew he was next to me. I heard when the bullet struck him. I heard him, I heard him scream. I looked over. I could, see, I could see that he was shot, but I didn't know how serious the wound was. And, and he continued to groan, and I continued to hold our ground. I, I I, I held on to my rifle and I continued to fire at the enemy and keep them at bay while we waited for backup. And finally, my, my friend began to make noises that made me think he, he may not make it. And in the midst of it, he said to me, he said, I can't, I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. Can you, please, can you please hand me your canteen? But I couldn't let go of my rifle because I had to hold back the enemy. And so I continued to hold the enemy back. I continued to protect our position and to hope that backup would come. And, so, and I told him, listen, I've, I've got to hold them back because if I stop, you know they're going to overrun us and we'll both be killed. Just hold on, man. Just hold on. Just hold on. He said, please, just, just give me a drink of your canteen. I'm so thirsty. Please, please give me a drink. I'm so thirsty. And he said, come on, man. Just hold on. They're going to be here soon. You, you know that I can't. And, and indeed, backup did come, but at that point, his friend had passed. And when he returned home, that continued to haunt him. 
to the point that what he began to believe was that because I did not use this hand to, to give my, my friend some kind of comfort in his last dying moment, why should I be able to use it now? And it gripped his heart and it broke him in such a way that he, he literally, physiologically stopped using that arm for anything to the point where he lost use of it because his own heart was condemning him. And in his heart, it's like, if I can't use this hand to save a friend in need in their time of, in their moment of need, then, then why would I be allowed ever to use this hand for myself? And the, th- and the therapist began to walk him through, and, and he asked him those questions that must be asked. And beloved, let me tell you something. It is important for each of us, as God is coming and we're born again, that we, that we do embrace the process of healing. That we embrace allowing the Lord to heal our soul because many of us have similar wounds. And when you're born again, you are born again. You are a new creation. But God also has brought healing, and that healing is a process. That's why we have ministry time with the Sozo team for just these kinds of things. And so the therapist began to ask him, he said, listen, what would have happened if you would have set down that rifle? To give your friend that drink, he said, we would have been overrun by the enemy. He said, would not you then, both you and your friend have ended up dead? He said, yes, that's true. He said, would your friend have lived if you'd have given him a drink of that water? He said, no, he would not. And he said, that is true. He said, you, you've got to understand that your friend is present with the Lord now. He is not holding it against you that you could not defend him, protect his life from the enemy, and give him water at the same time. He understands that it was outside of your control to save his life. Even though he wanted that moment to be satiated with the canteen, I promise you he's being satiated with the rivers of life from the king of kings now. You are a limited person. Beloved, we are limited people. You are not God. You cannot do all things. You could do some things. And every one of us has faced things where we found our own limitations. And many of us have lost the use of our limbs. We've lost the use of our emotional capabilities. We've, we've lost the use of things. Why? Because we're still holding on to what was in the past. And the therapist began to walk him through and he said, you need to forgive yourself for not being able to give your friend that drink from that canteen. He understands. God understands. I understand. And you need to understand. And the man forgave himself that he wasn't able to do that. And over the next weeks and months, he regained full use of his hand. Why? Because he let go of what was behind and began to reach forward to what is new. Beloved, that's what Paul is saying right here to us, Philippians. He's saying, you've got to let go of those worst moments in the past. You've got to let go of those things in order to be able to reach forward. He says this, one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And how many of us are like that man? We remember those worst things that we've done. We re- and some of them we were even innocent in. Those worst things that we were done or those worst things that were done to us. And we remember that. But, but, God, but, but God is not asking us to hold on to them. 
He's telling us that it's okay to let go of those things and begin to reach forward into the upward call of Christ. I want to tell you another story. This is a story of a man, his worst shame is what I've just told you. This is this man, and, and, and that, that thing held shame over him. That he was a soldier, that he was there to do the right thing and to, to care for others and to protect, and he wasn't able to, so he held himself in contempt, and he had to let go of a shameful thing, a thing that brought him great shame. But let me tell you another story. There's a, there's a man I know of, and this man is a brilliant person. This person is brilliant. They have more talent then any person deserves, they're like Josh Davis. It's not Josh Davis, but it's like Josh Davis. It's more talent than any one person should have. Yeah, let's just say law that for a minute. How dare you? <laughs> that's right. That's Bible. Now, here's the interesting thing about this person. This person never finishes anything. They never finish anything. They have had more jobs and more opportunities, and more business concepts, and more halfway inventions than anyone else that I've ever met. And the story is always the same. You, you guys don't know this person, but every time, well, actually, you do know this person, but you know your own person. You're going to recognize this story because we all have a few of these in our life. But here's the bottom line. This person, the story always comes down to this. I remember because when we do connect now and then, I'll say, how's it going? And it's always the same story. Oh, well, I was, hey, how'd that, how'd that last thing go? Oh, yeah, I quit that. Why? Because, you know what, it wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. I wasn't making at all the kind of money that I, that I need to make. Well, how much were you making? I was only making 50 bucks an hour. I do not make 50 bucks an hour. That sounds pretty sweet to me. By the way, if you guys want me to make 50 bucks an hour, have a meeting. But anyway, I don't make 50 bucks an hour, and, and this person is always quitting Everything because it's only 50 bucks an hour. It's only 80 bucks an hour. Because this person remembers the time when they made 150 bucks an hour. There was that time when, they, when everything was going right. And they had that sweet business set up. And, and they had those perfect accounts that were set up. And boy, the, the economy was just a humming. And everything was going so good. And they were the king of the castle and the cream of the crop. And they were just rocking it. They were a master of their own destiny. And people showed them respect. And they were making sweet money. And now that that season ended... Oh, I ain't going to just settle down for this $50 an hour job because I remember what I used to be. You see, it's the same thing in this story. And many of us know this person. So what's interesting is this person won't adjust to where they are now because they're still holding on to what's behind. They're still holding on to what's behind. Not something negative, but something that was awesome. See, it's just like Paul. Paul was saying, I could hold on to what was behind. I used to be somebody, guys. I wasn't just a dude locked in the prison. I was a Pharisee. I was, a, I was the Billy Graham of the Jewish people. That's who he was. I was the revered, respected, tippity-top. I was the Pope. All right? For real. This was Paul. He was somebody. People came to him. They, they have religious questions. Hey, Paul, you're the guy. And many of us had those moments where we were the guy, we were the gal, we were at the top of our game. Isn't it, isn't it rough when you talk to somebody and they're like, man, high school were the best days of my life. I was the star quarterback. I, me and my volleyball team, we went state. Those days were sweet. Man, I used to walk those halls, everybody knew my name. It's like, you're 53. <laughs> like, what are you still telling a story about high school? Are you telling me that you 
pine for the days of acne and idiots? <laughs> Sorry, that was too much. Forgive me, high schoolers. You guys are amazing. Um, I'm just remembering myself in high school, and I shouldn't project that on anyone else. I, I repent and I retract. All right. What happens when we do that? Why do we do that? We do that because what we've done is we've decided that a certain set of circumstances, titles, accomplishments, and how other people view us and how we felt in that moment, that that, that scenario is who we are. And in that moment, what are we saying? I have apprehended I have apprehended what I'm supposed to be and how it's supposed to feel like. For some people, I've apprehended. I'm making $150 an hour. This is where it's at. And until I get that back, I'm not committing to anyone because I know what I'm worth. Jesus would say, I know what you're worth. My very life, and you're a son and a daughter. You're not some schmuck that makes $150 an hour. That is way below you. You're a son or a daughter, so you'll work for minimum wage. And be happy about it if that's the kind of season you're in. Why? Because it doesn't matter to you. We're gonna, I mean, you get into Philippians 4, it's awesome, right? He's going to talk about this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's talking about I can be Elvis or I can be Elvis now. <laughs> all right? So the point is, that's not what we're looking to. We're not looking to apprehend a certain feeling, a certain moment, a certain accomplishment. You were born for much more than a certain moment. God wanted kids and you're his kids. So it's not, the, it's not your greatest season that you're trying to get back to. So that everybody goes, remember that time when everybody called me boss? Those were the days. Now it's nothing but grandkids and pets. This is horrible. I deserve more than this. No, you're a son and a daughter. Love it. But either way, either way, we must let go of what's behind. Whether it's your worst moment or whether it was your, quote, last best moment. Let's call it that, your last best moment, right? We're free to be sons and daughters. It's the highest call. You could never determine that with how much or how little money you're making, with how much or how little your name is known. And that's the point that he's making. Isn't that beautiful? And how many of us right now, Holy Spirit's working on your heart and you're realizing like, I've been spending my whole life trying to apprehend. And there have been moments where I thought that I apprehended. And now those moments actually haunt me. And I need to let go so that I can reach forward towards the prize and the upward call of Christ. Now remember I said I was going to talk to you about that first verse. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. This is interesting the way that he has said this because the point that he's making is not that it's not you buck up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, quit being a whiner, you big baby. Let go of those things and press on. What are you doing? Get up. Get up, you baby. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying Christ Jesus, our big brother, the Savior, is going somewhere. He's on his way bringing the kingdom to earth. He's on his way making orphans into sons and daughters. He is running the race, and you are standing around an orphan, broken, 
standing there not knowing how to get out of it. And he comes by and he lays hold of you. Now you're running with Jesus. And while you're running with him, he's saying, hey. And you're going, what? And he's saying, let go of that stuff. Let it go. And you're like, why? It was my best moment. Or on the other hand, you don't know what I've been through. Either way, he's with you. And so then you can say, well, then Jesus, help me to let go. And he says, no problem. And he goes, and you go, right? I wish I could run faster. I got winded first service. I was like, Jesus, lay hold of me. Lay hold of me now, Lord. So whether it's your greatest moment or whether it's the worst thing that's happened to you or the worst thing that you did to someone else, there's grace for you because Jesus is with you running unto the purpose of extending his kingdom and adopting every orphan to become a son or a daughter. And you become a son or a daughter. So there's a momentum here. And we can ask him and say, Lord, I want to let go and I want to press forward. Amen? Amen. So we can embrace the seasons that we're in. Now, let me wrap this up with, or let me let uh, Paul wrap this up. He says, therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. Now, remember, previously in Philippians, he's saying, what is he saying? Have this attitude like Christ who didn't consider being God something to hold on to. If ever there was a demotion that happened in the history of the world, it was when Jesus resigned from being God for us. And now he's been glorified, the name above all names, because he became a servant. And he came, now he's running with us. So he's saying, have the same attitude as the one you're running with Jesus because you're in the upward call running. Have that attitude. Lord, I'm making $150 an hour. Lord, I'm making $10 an hour. Lord, I'm not making anything an hour. Lord, I'm hanging out with the Pope. Pay is the same. Pay is the same. Have the same attitude. And, he, and I love this too. And if any of you thinks otherwise right now, that's okay. You're running with Jesus. He'll straighten you out. Come on, right? He can, he can multitask, you little knucklehead. What are you doing? All right. That's how he does it with me. Like, you little knucklehead, quit thinking so much about yourself. Usually it's in my wife's accent, though. <laughs> it's her favorite one. I'll be like, this is terrible. I'm a horrible leader. I'm so disorganized. Why do these people keep coming back? And then she always quotes to me Paul's words. When a man measures himself by himself, he is not wise. I'm like, oh, like water to my soul. <laughs> All right. Brothers and sisters, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they're the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. 
I just want you to catch what he's saying is this. Guys, follow the example that I'm giving you, that I can both abound and abase. I can let go of the past. I don't have to be a hero. I don't have to be a nobody. I'm not a loser. I'm not stuck in that. I'm not stuck in my greatest past best moment. Follow that example and follow the example of others. Remember we talked about that, right? Take note of the people that are doing this and emulate that. And then he says this, for many in this world, it's to their shame. All they're thinking about is earthly things to the point that they've tried to dumb down life to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die or to dumb down life to the, to the actual dietary laws of being legalistic. He's saying both of those things are just earthly thinking. Don't do it. Don't do it. It makes me sad to even think about it, he's saying. And then he continues, he says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Now, many of us have read this, and we hear it like this. Beloved, here's all this great stuff, so let go of all that stuff, because the bottom line is our citizenship is in heaven, from which... We also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, to come and get us out of here from this stinky old earth that's just burning and stinky and horrible with mean people that are bigger than us Christians. He's just going to come in and go, I know it wasn't working. Let me just pull you out. We're like, come swing low, chariot. (laughs) Swing low. It's hard. That is not what he's saying. You remember When Jason kicked this off, he was talking about where they are. Okay, Philippians, you're in Philippi. Philippi is a colony. These Philippians understand what a colony is. A colony is a place where Rome, in this case, has said, okay, Romans, this is your town now. This is Rome. All the laws, Rome's laws. All the backing of the military greatness of the Roman army, that's yours. All the government... Roman government. All the customs, Roman customs. You set foot in Philippi, you're walking around in Rome. What's ours is yours. Somebody attacks you, they're attacking Rome. We got you. All right? People don't understand the law, show them the Roman law. In other words, where you live, you make it look like Rome because it is Rome, because you are Romans. So he's speaking to Roman citizens and he's saying, listen, you're citizens of heaven. You're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Everywhere you set your foot, hello Abrahamic covenant, becomes your land. Every place you are, you make it like heaven. He's not saying, swing low, sweet chariot. No, 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 no. He's like, bring heaven. Bring heaven, because you're a citizen of heaven. You're an ambassador of heaven. You're a prince. You're a princess. When you show up, royalty shows up. Remember that. Remember that. That's what he's telling him. Remember that. And he says, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will not only take care of you and establish heaven wherever you are, but he's also going to transform your body that's dying every day to where your body's like his. Even your body and... He's going to finish the work and actually redeem the entire earth. New heaven and a new earth. This is not a quiet little sigh prayer of like, just stand strong. (laughs) Hold your breath as long as you can. And when it really gets bad, he'll get you out of there. 
No. When Jesus is coming, he's not coming to a loss. He's coming to a tipping point of victory. This is not about dying and going to heaven. This is about coming to life and bringing heaven to earth until God comes and gives us our new bodies and a new earth. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to let go of what's behind us. We're going to stop letting the past dictate the future. Because we're running with Jesus and we're establishing the kingdom on earth right now. Now we won't be able to finish that job. As he said, it's not as though we've already apprehended. We're not going to finish that job without Jesus. Jesus is going to finish that job. But we are going to press forward and establish the kingdom of heaven in our hearts and in our lives and in our families and in our cities until Jesus comes and we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You want to walk through walls now? Because the new body does it. You want to see what I had in mind the first time with the earth? Woof, woof. Here it is. So let go of what's behind. And let's press forward into the upward call of Christ. Amen? Let's stand up. Amen, right? Yeah. Woo! I like that. I liked it when Red did that today. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. I've never heard you woo before, Red. I like it. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I want, I want us to just... <laughs> I just want us to just bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's, that's all I want us to do. Amen? Seems like a good idea. All right. Father, we want to pray, Lord, right now by your Holy Spirit, even as we're standing up, that you would put your finger on the things that we've been holding on to that we need to forget, that we need to allow to go into the past, that we can let go of it, and we can press on towards that prize in you. For everyone here that's been trying to forget, Lord, and hasn't been able to, I'm asking for your grace, for that grace of that reality that, with, that it's the upward call, it's the onward call, it's being laid upon by Christ, Lord, that they would feel that momentum from you, Lord, that you're giving them the grace to let go. You're the one carrying them away from that thing. And I just pray for that grace to be released right now. For those of us, Lord, that have been basking in a bygone time when we were a pastor or a CEO or we were financially stable or whatever it was that, that we, had, we count you know, as, 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 as a loss and we just keep trying to get back there, Lord, would you give us the grace to let that go and to embrace where we are now? And in all things, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for making us sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. The prayer servant team is coming forward, so I want to encourage you, please get prayer. Be, uh, be empowered in the ministry you've been called to. God bless you guys. Yay.